This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with my co-host, James Rupine. This is your not-quite-weekly reminder to follow James and I on Twitter and the Locked On Bengals Twitter account, at Jake underscore NFL, at James Rupine, and at Locked On Bengals to stay up to date with everything going on with the podcast and get James and my insights that sometimes we don't get to talk about on the podcast, James. Like, is it time for Mock Draft Monday? That's coming up later in the show, that debate. Not a Mock Draft Monday. James vetoed it. Hell to the no, no. Hell no, no. we'll uh, We'll talk about that one later on in the show. James is very excited to say no about it. But we're going to start with a couple things from Sunday's game. I know everybody wants to put that game in the rearview mirror. We're going to do a good news, bad news. And the good news is going to be focused on a player, the Bengals' only real candidate, I think, to be on the All-Pro team this year. And that's Jesse Bates and a player who, at this point, the Bengals need to find a way to move on from that is not necessarily a veteran, but a role player. So we're going to start there. We're going to go into the offensive line's performance on Sunday against the Steelers. If you're reading the numbers, they don't look good, but things really fell apart after the game got out of hand. We'll get into why that happened. Talk a little bit about Hakeem Adeniji's day. Talk a little bit about Joe Burrow's struggles with the wind. Then we're going to finish up with that conversation about Mock Draft Monday. But James, let's get started with maybe this is a future Tuesday regular segment for us. Some good news and some bad news. Jesse Bates, James, let's start there. The guy that you you go read on Twitter, just put his name into the Twitter search box and you'll see, wow, Jesse Bates is a hell of a player. Jesse Bates is running around every play on these Bengals defensive drives, trying to put out multiple fires. He is a guy that's having an all pro season. PFF's top graded safety in the entire NFL on a defense that has been truly dreadful. It's time to lock him up, Jake. It's time to lock him up. This is year three for Jesse. The way he locks up opponents on the football field, he's earning a giant fat payday off the field. And uh, yeah, he's playing great. I mean, heck, I, I was talking to you off air and mentioned the almost interception that he had. And I said, it like, man, could you imagine if you made that catch and you were like, the fact that he was even in that position and that's the case is you just you find him around the ball and for years years i mean probably the past two decades and this includes like a reggie nelson who had seven interceptions in a year it feels like the Bengals' safeties are always close but they never get there they never finish they never make that play and bates is is the guy who's making those plays and is batting the ball and, and isn't afraid to give up a you know or, or, or give a big hit he's just He's complete, man, and I get it. They, you know, everyone has his flaws, but I, as far as a coverage safety goes, is there anyone better right now? Is it can any safety cover better? And get this, Jake, 
he uh, he revealed in his post game news conference with us that he was the next corner. He was the guy that was going to go play corner, which is scary, and I hope we never have to get there because he's so great at safety. But that's how much they trust him in coverage it, it, to put him in the cornerback spot if needed. To answer your question, no, I don't think there's anybody else in the NFL this season at the free safety position that's covering as well as Jesse Bates. And the thing that's really impressive about his game on top of taking that next step as a deep free safety is his tackling has improved dramatically. He had one bad tackling game early in the season against the Cleveland Browns in week two. Outside of that has been generally a very solid tackler. He's coming down, making more plays in the run game, literally all over the field right now. And a huge asset to this team. I remember back in 2018 when the Bengals got him in the second round, I was looking at safeties that year and we were looking at Derwin James because we thought the Bengals picking at 21, which is a spot they traded down to in the Buffalo exchange, they they might be in a position to draft Derwin James. He ends up going 17th to the Chargers. And at the time, looking at his college tape, and I am eating crow on this because we were wrong, I thought he's too much of a box guy. Turns out he can cover and move remarkably well. He's a total package of safety. But Jesse Bates was the kind of guy we were looking for that year. When I was looking at the safeties that year, I was thinking, I want a guy that's more like Ed Reed than Troy Polamalu if I have to pick between the two. I want the guy that's going to be taking away half the field, making crazy plays on the ball. It turns out Jesse Bates looks like that guy. Let's switch over to the other side, James. Alex Erickson at punt returner did not have a good day. And it's not just a fumble. He made some bad decisions. He, he showed a lack of ability to judge the ball. And yes, there was wind. I'm sure that's a factor. Didn't seem to bother the Steelers returner. And at this point, after his worst punt returning game in probably three years with the fumble and the poorly judged fair catch opportunities, they need to find somebody else back there at punt returner. We talked with Darren Simmons on Monday and he kind of acknowledged, hey, if we had another body, someone that we trusted back there, then we'd probably give him a shot. He mentioned Darius Phillips, who's obviously out right now with a groin injury. And then he said, well, Tyler Boyd, of course we trust him. But how? why would we put someone that big of a, a threat on offense on special teams and risk injury and put him at risk there? So I get that and I understand it. Uh, a name that you brought up to me that I was thinking too, and honestly, I should have asked Darren about it, and who knows, maybe they just don't trust him as much, but Giovanni Bernard is a guy who returned punts in college at North Carolina, and I know he's older now, but he the, the past couple of games, especially leading up to the Steelers game, you saw some agility, you saw the same quicks and things like that. That might be something you look into because this team, and we talked about it on Sunday night and, and on our Monday show, this team can't afford mistakes like that. The margin for error is just not there. But we did get another surprisingly nice performance, James. According to PFF, Hakeem Adenergy had a really nice game. I didn't really notice him during my initial watch of the game on Sunday. And that's good news for a rookie making his second start at left tackle coming out of a school like Kansas, where they're not known for their offensive line coaching. We'll get into Hakeem Adenergy's performance and what to make of Joe Burrow's struggles with the wind in Pittsburgh coming up next. If you're like me on Sundays, you finish watching the Bengals game, you take a little bit of time to decompress, you're hungry after the game, because if you're like me, you're not eating a whole lot during the game. I know a lot of people like to eat while they watch football, but for me after the game on Sunday, I was hungry, recorded the podcast, James, and I didn't have 
the the foresight to go get groceries. Luckily, DoorDash was there for me. And in my town, that means I got a really nice chicken sandwich. Tried an egg on my chicken sandwich yesterday, uh, trying something new. It was really nice. Put some hot sauce on it, put some cheese on it, some lettuce, tomato. And DoorDash has really anything you would want in your town. Chipotle burrito, they got it. Froyo, you want some dessert? Check out DoorDash. And it is so easy. You open the app, you choose what you want to eat, your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia. If you're in any of those places, you can get any of your local go-tos or your favorite national restaurants. Right now, our listeners get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDON. And you can wash your food down from DoorDash with Pepsi because thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the league Jake and I are in, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Like on Sunday, the Bengals were the the 4 o'clock game. Guess what? I got to watch Tom Brady slice and dice the Carolina Panthers. I enjoyed that. Pepsi, the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football, watching. James Rapine, ladies and gentlemen, taking time to do an ad read for us on the Locked On Bengals podcast. By the way, James, Bengals, not Buccaneers, not Patriots, to talk about his favorite quarterback, his favorite NFL player, probably ever, I imagine, Tom Brady, right? He's a GOAT. I mean, he's the GOAT. It's it's either him or Chad, and, you know, Chad isn't doing it at 43. Chad's drinking Pepsi with us, so... Yeah, it's definitely uh, definitely my man, TB. Chad's enjoying his DoorDash-delivered McDonald's and Pepsi as we speak, I assume. I mean, that's got to be heaven for him. Somebody just bringing McDonald's to his house? It's heaven for me right now. I, I want some McDonald's breakfast right now. We're recording this at night. It's dinner time. I could go for some for some hot cakes and sausage, maybe a little sausage, egg, and cheese McMuffin. Sponsor us, McDonald's. Yeah, there you go. If you're listening, McDonald's, McDonald, I think that's his name. You can you can sponsor the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Just shoot us a DM on Twitter. So, James, let's talk a little bit about Hakeem Adenogy's day, the offensive lines day. Joe Burrow, if you look at the raw numbers, looks like he was pressured a lot. But I asked our good friend Evan McPhillips over at PFF, how much of that was in the first half? How much of that was in the second half? And in the first half, going into halftime, He was pressured on about 33% of his dropbacks, which isn't great, but a lot of that, at least two of those, if not three of those, came on their last drive, their two-minute drive there, and back-to-back plays, really, to close out the half. In the second half, that number goes up to 58%. Now, why does that happen, James? It's it's because you're losing badly, and now you're a drop-back passing team, and now you can't do anything to slow down that pass rush. You can throw some screens in there maybe, but they're sitting on that too. And when you're a drop back passing team, you cannot hide the offensive line anymore. That's why the start that they got off to was such a 
big deal. And, and yesterday, people might have rolled their eyes when I said the game was done in the first quarter. But when the Bengals are playing really good teams, they are flawed. Okay, they're a two and fourteen team last year with questionable coaching, a lot of injuries, and I get it. The, the talent is is much better than it was a season ago, but they still have flaws, and it's it's hard to overcome them when you dig yourself into a hole, and that's what they did. So, I, I'm not shocked at all that 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 was the stat. And when you look at the Steelers, it makes a lot of sense because they they're not like the Ravens where they're going to bring a ton of extra pressure, right? They trust their their front four to get after you. And when you're passing more, specifically in the second half, guess what's going to happen? They're going to hope that that front four and expect that front four to do some damage. And they did, and they got pressure, and the Bengals' offense was was absolutely dreadful for most of the game. And when they did blitz, and the Steelers blitzed on 15 of Joe Burrow's 44 dropbacks, so about 33% of the time in the game, they got home. The Bengals weren't ready for it. So they do have that in common with Baltimore, and you're exactly right. When when you have a good secondary or a competent secondary, and the Steelers certainly do, and you have a good pass rush to complement that, and you confuse the quarterback with your blitzes, I mean, what chance do you have as an offense? And that's really what happened in the second half. Things came off the rails a little bit, but let's give a little bit of praise to Hakeem Adeniji and honestly Quentin Spain as well. Quentin Spain going in there having played – Nothing really outside of left guard in his entire NFL career. He played some tackle at West Virginia, but he was really seen as a guard. I mean, West Virginia moved into a guard. NFL teams didn't consider him a tackle. And look, I I know Jim Turner has a particularly peculiar affinity for playing guards at tackle. We saw it last year with John Jerry, but... Quentin Spain did a a good job given the circumstances, I thought. The Bengals' best lineman was Trey Hopkins, so shout out to him. Nice return to center against a defensive line, a defensive interior that's really given him problems in his career, like the type of guys that the, the Steelers have, those big, powerful rushers. Those guys have given Trey Hopkins problems in his career, but Hakeem Adeniji, in his second start against one of the best pass rushes in the league, gave up only three pressures in the game, which I think is uh, pretty nice on 44 pass-blocking snaps against what they were going against and in the situation they were in in the game where they were down and they couldn't hide him very well. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch to see how much help they gave him, but it's a good job to the six-round rookie and a good job to the waiver claim Quentin Spain. No, not waiver claim. Practice squad signing Quentin Spain, sorry. <laughs> you know, he'll be on the active roster soon enough. I'm going to call it right now. Or not call it, say it. Both guys should be starting this week. They, they should both be starting this week uh, regardless of health, and that doesn't mean at the spots that they were at, naturally. Uh, I would put Spain at right guard this week, um, or, or maybe left guard if Xavier Suofilo comes back, but he would be at one of the guard spots, assuming Jonah Williams comes back. That would be what what I do. And then I would move Akeem Adeniji to that right tackle spot, and he, he would get some serious reps there because, look, Bobby Hart isn't the future, and uh, Fred Johnson, I'm not sure he's the future. Let's get another look here at Akeem Adeniji. He's played relatively well considering the circumstances in two starts. You mentioned the competition against the Steelers. He garnered a bunch of praise, by the way, from Willie Anderson on Twitter. I'm not sure if you saw that, but uh, Big Willie, really complimentary of of how Akeem Adeniji specifically handled Bud Dupree's spin move. So I think – I think that this 
this is something you could potentially build on, and I want to see more of the sixth-round pick. To be clear, Bud Dupree has taken a significant step back as a pass rusher for the Steelers this year, and I don't know how much of T.J. Watt he really got a hold of or, or, or was faced with. So I don't mean to say that to take anything away from from Hakeem Adenergy, but as always... Negative Jake. Negative Jake. You stay grounded in reality, and you don't let results like a good win against the Tennessee Titans convince you that they can keep it close against the Pittsburgh Steelers because clearly that didn't happen. And and I got swept up a little bit in it too until Sunday. I messaged both you and Joe, who were the people that I direct message about the Bengals. And I said, I have a really bad feeling about this game. And I was thinking like, this is going to be the Ravens game all over again. And uh, it, it pretty much was. But good job for Hakeem Adenogy. Good job for Quentin Spain and their relative uh, respective circumstances. And uh, you mentioned Quentin Spain should start. I agree. The guard play has been atrocious. And, and Mike Jordan comes back from his best game and looks just like Mike Jordan has all year outside mm-hmm. of his best game. He, he wasn't very good. And, uh, I mean, obviously Alex Redman continues to be a penalty disaster. Can't pick up stunts. I mean, if, it's, if his job is simple, he can do it. But that is not playing offensive line in the NFL. It's not simple. Would you put – because to me, I'd totally be on board with putting – either Xavier Suofilo or um, Quentin Spain at, at, at left guard. Sure. Xavier Suofilo has a lot of experience at left guard until this year. He was going to play there. So I'm fine with putting Spain at right guard. Clearly he could play anywhere. I mean, my man can just, all right, you need me to play right tackle? I'll play it. You know, and oh, you need me to do this? I'll do it. And I love that. And he's doing that while he's on the practice squad. And I think they got a guy who really wants to show that he's a, a – high level starting type of guy now he might not be that but that's his goal to show the rest of the league that after being cut by the bills so that would be i would be starting xavier suofilo if he's healthy and good to go and quentin spain this week uh certainly spain he's earned it yeah so let's get some shake up at guard agree with that let's spend a quick minute james and and just a minute talking about joe burrow's arm strength and and this is a thing that's going on out there on the Twitters and, and it's national media pushing it and some trolls out there liking to talk it up too. There is a bit of concern, I think, for me at this point with some of the throws that he put on tape against the Steelers. Now, how much of that is there was a 50-mile-per-hour wind gust when he threw the ball? I don't know. We weren't there. It looked and sounded very, very windy when the refs were talking. But Ben Roethlisberger didn't appear to have problems with it. It seemed like the wind wasn't blowing when the Steelers had the ball. Maybe it was just the end of the field. But there are a few throws in this game that really have you thinking, okay, he's limited by that arm. He's going to have to learn to play within that. If he doesn't have a clean pocket, if if he's all arm on the throw, you see some bad balls come out from time to time. And that's Burrow's flaw. That's the thing. So... Justin Herbert isn't making checks at the line of scrimmage and isn't reading defenses, in my opinion, to the level that Burrow is. Uh, Tua Tungabailoa has the injury issue. There were flaws with all these guys, including Burrow. I know he had the best football college football season in, in history, but he's not perfect. But I, I still think you can win a ton of games with not perfect in, in, in that issue. And he, to me, is a guy who's going to try to learn and try to push it and try to find ways uh, to maybe increase his velocity or increase that, that strength a little bit. Uh, but, but also just learn what you can do, what you can't do and do more of what you can and do less of what you can't. 
And that's just a growing process. That's something he's going to learn about. That was his first time playing the Steelers, an undefeated Steelers team. It was going to be hard. It wasn't going to be easy. And when you're a team relying on a rookie quarterback to carry you, which is what the Bengals are doing, uh, a coaching staff relying on a rookie quarterback to carry you, which is what the coaches are doing, sometimes he's not going to be able to do it. And you saw that on Sunday. Up next, speaking of rookies, Jake wants to look ahead to 2021 rookies and drafts, and I'm going to shoot that down. But whether it's a mental or physical wall, you got to break through it with Go every day. Built Go comes in easy to take one and a half ounce packages. It's perfect to put in your briefcase. Maybe you throw it in your backpack. Joe Burrow should have taken this and maybe his fastball would have gotten there on Sunday because Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus it's natural, so it's better for your body. Comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut. My personal favorite, chocolate mint. It combines energy gel with collagen protein. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite you and get you to work. Whether it's B6 or B12, it, the collagen, by the way, promotes joint soft tissue, hair, and skin health. Go to BuiltGo.com right now. Use promo code LOCKED. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. When you host a daily podcast with someone, you get to know them pretty well. And you talk on a regular basis and you message and you, you have a, a bunch of back and forth. And Jake usually has good ideas. No, normally, Jake's ideas are, are great. Top tier. Well, today, Jake had one of the worst damn ideas ever. And I think it's tied to the fact that the Bengals got their heads kicked in on Sunday. And he's feeling down in the dumps and he's looking for hope. And I love the draft, but... Jake, tell the fans your idea. Well, 81.6% of my fans, our fans, sorry, at the time of recording agreed with my great idea when I asked them, is it time for a 2-6-1 mock draft Monday? And that's on like 550 votes or so. So, I mean, is it really that bad of an idea, James? Come on, 86 82, I don't remember. Over 80% of people agree with me? That's a landslide. A landslide after just 500 votes. Why, why do you want to stop counting, Jake? I think we should keep the, the count going. I, I Look, this is it, – it's an awful, <laughs> awful decision here to do a mock draft Monday when we have seven na- games to go. And then a full off season. We got plenty of time to talk about the draft. You know what I want to talk about? How the Bengals might be able to fix things – and beat Washington. And by the way, if we're going to have a mock draft Monday, then maybe we should have a mock interview Tuesday. And we can do mock interviews because on this current rate, the Bengals organization is going to have to do a plenty, a, a sizable amount of coaching interviews with the way they're trending. So it's not just drafting players. They might be interviewing coaches. Yeah, I'm down. See, see, that's what a... a supportive co-host does james they they hear ideas and they say you know what that sounds great i'm down let's do it and and if you're listening you know that that james and i never agree on anything obviously and it's a miracle we ever put a podcast out no that's all made up everything everything's made up we're fine but i mean what does that look like right you start to put together here's my head coach here's my oc here's my dc 
and and you 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 roll it out there and you talk about it as a possibility. I mean, I think that's what it looks like. Unfortunately, there's not a, a mock coach interview machine out there for us to use, and we have many mock draft machine options at this point. But I think that that's a uh, something that we're going to have to talk about soon because if we get two more eggs against full strength Steelers and Ravens teams and, and going down the stretch here, I have seen enough. It's I'm not saying I've seen enough today, but it's getting to the point where there has to be substantial change to go from four. What is it? 20 or something now in one to, to this guy is the head coach of the future. We knew there would be growing pains, but they were supposed to come with growth, right? And we're not seeing that in these big spots this year. 420 and one is right. Look at you. 420 and one. 012 and one on the road. Let's start with a road win, right? Like, you know, I, I think that deep down we all knew that Zach Taylor's first road win wouldn't come at Pittsburgh. Like, that's just a really tough, tough ask. But yeah, I, I think that he, he has a lot to prove. And it's, it's interesting to hear you say that because I I knew that and I did too. We we started to buy into what we were seeing against the Browns, against the Colts, against the Titans. And a lot of that took a step back and I don't want to sell all of that yet, but I certainly have my questions. And so yeah, now c- can we see them bounce back and and honestly the Bengals should beat Washington. If Zach Taylor is the coach everyone thinks he is, and Joe Burrow is the quarterback people think he is, and, and, and everyone is in the Bengals organization, by the way, because not everyone thinks Zach Taylor is what I'm implying. Um, but if, if those things are true, then you'll handle business on the road against Washington. Who's They're okay. They're not an awful team. They're okay. But you, you'll still beat them. That's a very winnable game. Yeah, they have some things that will present some problems for the Bengals. They have good edge rushers. They seem to have a a quarterback who can play within a system now with Alex Smith now starting Alex Smith. How about that? Good for him. But I I agree with you that that is a winnable game. You have to beat these teams that you should beat. And you can't look like you are a JV team when you go out and play against the big dogs. And that's what we're looking for here. You can't look non-functional. You have to be able to make adjustments. Yeah, every team is injured in the NFL. It's, it's part of the reality. It's not an excuse, though. So when I talk about the fact that the Bengals are missing five defensive linemen and five corners, yeah, that matters. They're missing linemen. Yeah, that matters. But you can't look non-functional as an NFL team. You have to find a way on in one phase of the game to execute. And when you lay eggs coming off your bye week against a division rival like that, Man, it's just uh, it's deja vu. It's the last 11 games against the Steelers, and, and that's not what we're here for, right? We're here for you've got a guy that you just drafted with the number one pick. You don't get to do that very often. Let's reset and figure this thing out. Well, you, you don't have much of an opportunity to do that in the current CBA, so it has to come soon. And if it doesn't, you can't afford another year of 0-4-1, or, or sorry, 4-12-1. Uh, Four eleven and one. I'm having a hard time with math because if you do, then then you're in Joe Burrow's third year, and we've talked about this over and over. You can't start with a new coach unless that guy is just going to be. I don't know who who wins the Super Bowl in their first year with the team. It's it's uh, pretty tough. <laughs> Not many. 
Not many. And that, yeah, I, I'm trying to think. Did uh, did Dungy do it in Tampa? Did Gruden I think do it? Might be right. Did Did Gruden do it in Tampa? Yeah, you you might be right about that one. That, that I mean, I, I guess it can happen. I don't know, but, but like, look how hard but, we're thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, that's years and years and years ago, and, and that's that's the reality. Is you just need to see signs. The how matters, like we said yesterday. And for example, against the Steelers, zero for thirteen on third down, right? But they're 29th in, in the NFL in third down conversions. Well, we talk about how good these weapons are, right? Tyler Boyd, who's maybe the best third down receiver in the NFL. T. Higgins, who I think a lot of people assume is going to be a star. Joe Burrow. I'm, Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard. I didn't even mention A.J. Green. I didn't even go there because I we'll get to that later in the week. To me, how are you 29th in the league on third down? I get there are deficiencies in the in the trenches, but it hasn't been just that, right? So I think some of it is on play calling and scheme and things like that. And th- that's the thing is those are the the benchmarks of Taylor. Those are like the the stabilizers. And if he's coming up short in those areas, the reasons he reason he was hired, then that's uh, that's pretty glaring. So I, I'm with you. You got to see more. But uh, we we might be doing mock draft Monday. And uh, coach interview Tuesday in the the upcoming weeks if things continue to trend in this direction. You'll have to come up with some sort of alliterative title I know. for Tuesday. Help me out, Locked On Bengals listeners. You're smarter than I am. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We'll be back tomorrow. It'll be a Tuesday as we record, as you're listening to this. We're going to do a mailbag. I'm going to watch the game again tonight as it's Monday as we're wrapping this episode up. Take a little bit more of a look at Hakeem Adenogy. Take a little bit more of a look at the offense. And we'll be back for your questions tomorrow. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.